Guys, welcome to Riverside Church. Just so happy to have you here today. My name is Brian Doback, uh, one of the pastors here at Riverside. Just, um, just so happy to have you here and to be able to speak on God's Word today. Uh, this sermon today, uh, I gave it a title. I don't often give my sermons titles, but sometimes I think it's cool, and, you know, I just want to give it a title. I call this sermon today, Burned with Grace. I call it Burned with Grace. And what I'm talking about is that feeling, uh, the feeling that you can get when for a moment in time or a period of time, uh, maybe you're reading scripture or you're thinking about Jesus uh, and what he did on the cross, or you're surveying your past and what God has done for you, and your heart is just so moved. It's so moved, and you just kind of have to take a step back. It's like, wow, you know, you're just feeling God's grace in that moment. It's a subtle rush of adrenaline just coursing through your heart. It's like God is just branding your heart uh, with himself uh, in his grace. And, and I don't know about you, uh, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't happen often. <laughs> uh, when it does happen, it's powerful. Uh, it doesn't happen often. And when it does happen, uh, it doesn't happen very long. Um, you just want it to continue. Uh, but it, it's, it's amazing uh, when it does happen. It's like a taste of what it's going to be like when we're finally with Jesus. Um, just uh, constant adrenaline just coursing through our body when we're next to the glory uh, of who Jesus is at his throne. But it's those moments that really move us nonetheless. They move us. You know? And those moments of where we're burning with grace, they cause us to respond. And I want to just take you to some scripture, just so you, you know that I'm not like, you know, talking crazy here. We want to like keep things biblical, and we do that here at Riverside. So I'm not making this up, this whole concept of being burned with grace. Uh, so I want to take you back to after Jesus was resurrected, after the apostles saw the empty tomb, uh, two of them were walking on the road to Emmaus, and they were talking about what had happened. They were talking about the events of the crucifixion. Uh, and the resurrected Jesus, uh, as they're walking, the resurrected Jesus joins them, uh, joins them, and they didn't recognize who he was. The apostles didn't recognize who he was, and he walked, uh, as he was walking with them, he walked them through the scriptures as they knew it then, the Old Testament scriptures. And the, he, Jesus began interpreting everything about himself in the Old Testament. Everything about himself in the Old Testament. So they get to Emmaus, they have dinner with Jesus, uh, Jesus blesses and breaks the bread with them, uh, and their eyes open and they recognize that it's Jesus. But then he vanishes. <laughs> really, Jesus? He vanishes. And in that moment, as he vanishes, the apostles say this in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? While he opened to us the scriptures, their hearts burned. Guys, just as Jesus burned their hearts by opening up the scriptures. So Paul, the Apostle Paul today in our Acts scripture is going to open up the scriptures to a group of people. Isn't that what we do here? It's pretty simple. We just want to open up the scriptures to the people. We want to show them God's word. We trust God's word that it's going to burn people. What degree it burns, we don't know, but that's up to God. But we want to open up the scriptures today, and we're going to see that in Paul today in a Jewish synagogue. He's going to open up the scriptures, 
and they are going to burn with God's grace. So today is actually the first part of Paul's first recorded sermon. It's his first recorded sermon, and I preached the first part of it. It's kind of a longer sermon. Uh, I preached the first part today. Ezra preaches the second part next week. So if you came today, you have to come next week. So if you don't come next week, you're going to miss out on a lot of things. Paul's sermon is just laced with God's grace, and it's going to burn hearts, and we're going to see the response of the people. God's grace causes us to respond one way or another, and we're going to see that next week. So the way this is going to happen this morning is I'm going to set this up with, con- with context. The, today's scripture is highly contextual. Uh, it happened many, 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 many years ago, and we're going to talk about how, what it meant to them back then and what it was like back then for the people. And then we're going to talk about what this means to us today and what do we do with this when we leave these doors today. So that's how it's going to go today. Uh, allow me to pray before we get into the scripture. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for your word and just the, the privilege it is to be able to open it and have it in our hands um, and, and to follow through it with our finger and read it, um, Lord, and, and just uh, absorb it and uh, put it into our minds and into our hearts, Lord. And uh, I pray that you just speak to us today um, and you cause us to respond in some way uh, to your scripture, God. Um, Thank you, and I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's get into the scripture. Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through 25. We're in Acts 13, 13 through 25. And I'm going to break this up into three chunks. I'm going to talk about each chunk. And this first one is verses 13 through 15. Acts chapter 13, verses 13 through 15. So the scripture says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Persia and Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Persia and came to Antioch and Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So I want to use these verses as our context today, and I want us to be flies on the wall. I want us to be in the story. So Paul is on his first missionary trip uh, in the book of Acts. Paul goes on many mission trips. Uh, There's three of them that are recorded in Acts. This is the first of the three recorded missionary trips in Acts, and he's on this gospel-preaching crusade across the Roman Empire preaching in synagogues, preaching anywhere where the Holy Spirit leads him. So they make their way to Antioch and Pisidia, and it's the Sabbath day, and Paul and Barnabas, they go to a synagogue. Uh, Whenever Paul goes to a new place, uh, the first place he goes to to preach the gospel is a synagogue. He goes to a synagogue. So now synagogues, uh, they had an order to them. Uh, Synagogues had an order to them, and as they very similarly do today. And actually, in preparation for this sermon, I actually went to a Jewish synagogue uh, recently to, just to experience it. Um, as preachers, you know, we speak authoritatively on God's word, and I just did not feel comfortable speaking authoritatively on something that I have never experienced. So I want you to know that. We're very meticulous and care about the word that we preach so I visited the synagogue, and very similar to back then today. It was many, many years ago back then, but things happen very similarly today. You know, they have this thing called the Barahu, which is a call to prayer, a Barahu, and then the, the Kaddish, which is a response, a response of thanks. And they have this, uh, this segment called the Shema, 
The Shema is a confessed statement of belief in God, which is usually in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. You can look at that sometime. That's their confessed statement of belief in God. And then after those things, they do readings, uh, two readings from the law and the prophets. The law being the first five books of the Old Testament called the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then they do a reading from the prophets, which, which could be from any of the prophet books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, any of those. And they use the prophet reading to illustrate the Torah scripture. And then after that, a synagogue ruler, uh, he either preaches a sermon, just like we do. He preaches a sermon on the scriptures, or they invite somebody else in the congregation to preach uh, the scriptures. So I'm going to invite somebody in here right now to preach the scripture. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Ezra might yell at me if I did that. (laughs) Um, So, where are we? So then either uh, the, the, the synagogue ruler calls out Paul here. So Paul and Barnabas are singled out to give this message on the readings from the law and the prophets. So really, you know, this order of the service, it's really of little relevance It's not of great relevance. I didn't want to get into it too much because really what's the most important thing within the synagogue is the hearts of the people in the synagogue. The hearts of the people in the synagogue is what's significant. You see, this is a Jewish synagogue. So these are Jews that they do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're still waiting for the Messiah. They're worshiping God but they're relying on their own strength and their own works as it pertains to God's law for their salvation. They're relying on God's law for salvation, to achieve salvation. So, man, this is Paul's turf. Paul gets it. This is his turf. This is where he's from. This is like home court advantage for Paul. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. Now, he was zealous for the law. He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee before encountering Jesus and his life uh, dramatically changing. So when given the opportunity to speak before his congregation, can you imagine what Paul might be thinking? Can you imagine what he'd be thinking? I think Paul is licking his chops right now. Man, I got these people in this synagogue captive. I'm preaching the gospel. That's what Paul is saying to himself. So, you know, he's not going to, like, surf the wave of what's going on in that synagogue and just go with the flow and what they're doing. No, Paul's going to go against it. Paul's going to go against it and look, here's truth. Here's the truth of the gospel. So he's in a synagogue filled with dozens of unbelieving Jews and he's going to preach Jesus. So let's look at his sermon in verses 16, starting in verses 16 through 22. The scripture says, So Paul stood up and motioning with his hands, said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. Listen. This isn't a passive listening. This is be attentive. Listen to what I'm about to say. This is the greatest news you are ever going to hear in your entire life. Listen to me. And he continues, the God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. 
Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all of my will. So you can see he really contextualizes the gospel. He tailors, he caters this message to the Jewish people. They know all this history. They know it. And he brings to the memory of these things that they know and they read about in their own synagogue and the law and the prophets. And not only that, he speaks in generalities. And what I mean is uh, he speaks very general things and he's inducing them to, to think in their minds more specifically about these general things. And we're going to talk about that right now. But I also want you to notice uh, the grace of God that Paul laces through this sermon. God did these things by the grace of God. So when Paul says God chose their fathers, when Paul said God chose their fathers, he chose their fathers, what do you think of? What are they going to think of in that synagogue? They're going to think about the call of Abraham. And they're going to think about God's work through Isaac and Jacob. And they're going to think about God's grace. You know, they didn't choose God. God chose them. They didn't do anything to be chosen. God took a people that were no people, and he made them his people. That's the grace of God. And then, and then what, what does he say next? He made the people great. He made the people great. What do you think of? What are they going to think of in that synagogue? They're going to think in 400 years, the Israelites went from a family of 70 to a nation of a million people, just as God had promised. Just as God promised. And then he says, he led them out of Egypt. He led them out of Egypt. What are they going to think of in that synagogue? What do you think of? The ten plagues, maybe. And the Passover, or the parting of the Red Sea, right? The parting of the Red Sea. And then he says, he put up with them in the wilderness. What are they going to think of? What do we think of when we think of their time in the wilderness? We think of uh, the Israelites complaining and grumbling. When they didn't have water, God gave them water. When they didn't have food, God gave them food. God always provided for them in the wilderness. And then Paul says he gave them their land as an inheritance. What's the land? What are they going to think of? What are they going to think of in that synagogue? What do you think of? You think of the promised land, this land of just blessedness and peace from God and protection. And then he says he gave them judges. What are they going to think of in that synagogue when he says he gave them judges? What do you think of? Through the judges, God provided them protection from their enemies. This is the grace of God. And then he says he gave them a king. What do you think of? You think of Saul. They asked for a king. God gave him a king. God always did that. I want a king. Okay, I'll give you a king. He gave them a king. And then he says, he raised up David. What do you think of when, when that happens? 
What are they going to think of in the synagogue? When Saul failed, he blessed them with the greatest king Israel has ever known. Blessed them with the greatest king of Israel ever known. And they didn't deserve it. They did not deserve it. David brought in the golden age of Israel. He expanded Israel's boundaries. And he established the most prosperous time ever in the history of Israel. God did these things. It is the grace of God. The Israelites, you see, they always had a way of forgetting what God had done for them. And they were always attributing that their salvation and their prosperity was through their own works. Through their own works. But the Holy Spirit through Paul is just searing their hearts. Burning their hearts with these images. Images reflecting God's grace. So as we see, Paul's sermon, it leads to David. It leads to David. David was a sinful man, but he was a sinful man aggressively after God's own heart. And he loved to do God's will. He delighted in God. Because David is described this way by God, the people looked to him despite his sin and his failures. And they knew that David was the model of the one who would come. They knew that. They knew that he was the model of the one who would come. And he was beloved, that he would be beloved by the Father. So all of these events, they, they, they know, they've read, and they would continue to read in their own synagogues right up to today. Right up to today. They read these scriptures in the synagogues. So at this point, the Jews in the synagogue, they must have been saying to themselves, man, I like this guy. This is my God. Who is this guy saying this? This Paul guy. I like this guy. So after this history of their own people, what might come next? Well, more grace. More grace. But it's not what the synagogue leaders were expecting. It's not what they were expecting. Verse 23. 23 through 25, it says, Of this man's offspring, of David's offspring, of this man's offspring, God has brought, God has done this. God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised, as he promised, more grace from God. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finished, finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. So the Jews, they knew that the Messiah would come from the seed of David. And they knew this because it was prophesied of. And it was recorded in their prophetic books in Isaiah and Jeremiah. So Paul drops this bomb on them that Jesus is that man. Jesus is the Messiah. Now I imagine the Jews in the synagogue, they've gone from, yes, that is my God, <laughs> to no, no, they don't want to hear this. This is bad news to them. This is a total buzzkill to these synagogue leaders. Total buzzkill to them. Paul is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and he is opening up the scriptures to the people in the synagogue. And they're burning. Their hearts are burning. You see, this is the kind of thing that got you killed back then. It's the same thing that gets you killed today. Preaching the gospel of Jesus. Paul then uses the testimony of John the Baptist because at that time he was more famous than Jesus. 
So he had to remind them, John the Baptist was not the Messiah. You see, the Jews, they thought when John the Baptist was doing his ministry, they thought he was the Messiah. But even John the Baptist was like, no, I am not he. And he actually says in the scripture, I am not worthy of even untying the, one who, the sandals of the one who's to come. John is not that man. So this would have burned the Jews in that synagogue. So what does all this mean to us today? What does this mean to us sitting right here today in this sanctuary? You know, you might look at those Old Testament events and think, well, none of this has happened to me. None of this happened to me. Or I'm not Jewish, so what do these events mean to me right now? Well, the Old Testament scriptures, they became yours when Jesus was born and he lived and he died and was resurrected from the grave. It became your scriptures. None of it actually happened to you, but it happened for you. These things happened for you. You see, Paul's messages was for all people, not just Jews. And how do we know this? How do we know this in the scripture? Let's stick to the scripture. How do we know this? In today's scripture, you look back, look at verse 16. What's it say? It says, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. There were two groups of people in that synagogue. There was the men of Israel. There were Gentiles in that synagogue. Gentiles, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. There were two groups of people. Paul was preaching to two people back then. This is a history lesson for you, too. If you're sitting right here right now and you're a Gentile. John the Baptist said in the Gospel of John in chapter 1, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin of the world. He doesn't say the sin of the Jews. He says the sin of the world. As Gentiles, through simple faith in Jesus Christ alone, we're grafted into the family of God. Biblical history is our history too. You could read these things and say, that happened for me. That happened for me. That sea was parted for you because it was a step towards Jesus. It was a step towards Jesus. Their deliverance from Egypt was for you because it was a step towards Jesus. Paul took the, we, we haven't experienced a sea parting, but God, he's delivered us from something in our lives. Has he not? You know, we haven't experienced 40 years in a wilderness. I don't think, has anybody in here been in a wilderness for 40 years? Okay, <laughs> I didn't think so. But we have experienced God's providence in our lives. We've experienced his providence, whether you know it or not. You know, we may not get land as an inheritance, but God gives us eternal life as our inheritance through faith in Christ. You know, we don't have a king like David. We didn't experience a king like David, but God gave us a better king than David and Jesus. Okay, so what do I do with this grace? What do I do with this grace that has been bestowed upon me? From God. Well, first and foremost, it should propel you. It should propel you to receive Jesus in faith as your Lord and Savior. And if you have not done that yet, I challenge you on that. I want to challenge you on that. We'll see next week that Jesus he is going to be a stumbling block for some, and he's going to be a stepping stone for others. 
We'll see that next week. We're going to see the response from the people. But also, God's grace should propel us to live out the gospel and share the gospel with others, as Paul has done here, as he has done here. Paul took the grace from God that was, that was given to him, burning within him through his encounter with Christ, and he's now just sprinkling the Roman Empire with the gospel and telling people about the good news. Paul is on his turf in this synagogue. He's on his turf. Where is your turf? Think about that. Where is your turf? As Christians, it's a universal call on all of us to share the gospel and to disciple others. It's not our job, solely our jobs as pastors, to preach the gospel and teach the gospel and to disciple others. We're to do it and equip you to do it. We're trying to do that here at Riverside. God has a story to tell humanity in the scriptures, and so it becomes our story to tell with him. You know, we're going to have opportunities big and small around us. And to my understanding, the Pope is uh, going to speak to about a quarter million people today on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway this afternoon. And it's going to be televised nationally. I don't know the millions of people that are going to be hearing this. What would you do if you had a quarter million people captive? I know what Paul would do, right? We know what Paul would do. Paul would preach the gospel. Or maybe it's just one person. Maybe it's just one person. You know, in my neighborhood, we get, uh, we get a lot of, like, door-to-door salesmen. I don't know if you guys have a lot of experiences with door-to-door salesmen. We get a ton of them in our neighborhood. We live in Willow Grove. One time, I had, we had a door-to-door salesmen come, and I use these opportunities intentionally. I have somebody on my patio, on my property, at my doorstep, and I'm probably never going to see them again. I'm going to try and share the gospel with them. So this one time, months ago, this this person came to my door trying to have me sign a form about anti-fracking. I was like, man, I really appreciate your passion to go door-to-door about this. I don't even do it with where my passion is. And she's like, oh, what's your passion? I'm like, okay, here we go. The gospel of Jesus Christ. She runs. She runs off the patio. I'm like, what did I say? So sometimes it doesn't work. Maybe that was too forward, I don't know. But it's just trying to find opportunities. Well, this past Wednesday, it happened again. A door-to-door salesman comes. Uh, Pico hires out other energy companies to distribute energy. And this company, SFE, uh, came, a representative, and uh, I shared the gospel with him. And he was receptive. Uh, So we actually sat down and had, at length, (laughs) a conversation about the gospel on my patio. I was like, man, do you have time for this? He's like, yeah, I get paid hourly. I'm like, okay. I was like, all right, here we go. (laughs) So, I mean, he's on my patio for at least 20 minutes. At least 20 minutes. And he said he was going to come today at the 1030 service, uh, but I don't see him here. So, but hey, I did my job. 
I feel like I did my job. Now it's up to God. The ball is in God's court to work in that man's heart. And what are we going to do with these opportunities like Paul has, whether it's with a large group of people or if it's just one person? You know, that, the, the, my, our door that he knocked on may have been the most important door that he ever knocked on in his entire life. I don't know. But you've got to take that chance. You've got to take that chance. You see, this is what grace does. It's, it's a propulsion system. It's a propulsion system for you to respond and, and experience transformation in your life, to receive salvation for your eternity, and to make a decision, and then it propels us to extend that grace, extend that message to others around you and your family and in your community and even people in your church here at Riverside. But there is more to the sermon. Next week, Ezra is going to continue this message in Paul's sermon, and we're going to see that the gospel demands a decision. When the gospel is preached, nothing can happen but a decision, yes or no. And we're going to see that next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for uh, just these examples, uh, God, real-life examples of men and women in Scripture just boldly uh, taking opportunities uh, to proclaim who you are, proclaim your message of grace, uh, your message of love. Um, Lord, and I just pray that uh, uh, we respond. Uh, I just pray that this is burning in our hearts right now, this grace uh, that you have given us, Lord, and it just propels us uh, to go into our, our own families, uh, to teach uh, the gospel and apply it to different situations uh, in our lives as husbands and wives, um, Lord, in our families. And God, I pray that uh, we just take it into our neighborhoods uh, when the opportunities arise. You're going to give us opportunities. Uh, you're going to do it. Um, Lord, and I just pray that we rely on you and trust in you and depend on you um, to do these things, Lord. I thank you and uh, we love you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.